We are exploring the editor and assistant relationship today, as well as taking a look at the editing of the Apple TV Plus series, We Crash, with editor Justin Crone, ACE, and assistant editor Chris Gorrell. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. It's been a while since I've had an editing team here on the podcast, and so I'm very excited to welcome Emmy-nominated editor Justin Crone ACE and his assistant editor Chris Gorrell to episode 28 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. We're going to dive deep into the working relationship between an editor and an assistant editor on Hollywood scripted TV shows. And so they're not only going to talk about their process of how they like to work together, but also give advice on what questions assistants can ask their editors, say if they want to start cutting scenes or possibly get a co-edit and maybe even get that support to get them bumped up to being a full-time editor. But on the other side, we're also going to get some suggestions on how editors can be a mentor to their assistants. You know, I get a lot of questions from assistant editors, things like, how do I ask my editor to give me scenes to cut? Or will an editor give me a shot at working in scripted TV if I don't have enough experience or I'm a little green? So we're going to get answers to those questions and a lot more from a hardworking and very successful editing team that has worked on very big shows, including American Horror Story, Bloodline, Mr. Robot, Homecoming, Twin Peaks, The Return, for which Justin was nominated for an Emmy. And now, of course, We Crashed, which is on Apple TV Plus and stars Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. And it tells the story of the rise and fall of WeWork. I just watched it and I got to say, I truly loved it. I mean, it's just such an interesting story. And there's some amazing performances there from Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. And of course, some great work from Justin and Chris. So I highly recommend it. Make sure to check it out. We crashed on Apple TV+. Plus. Some of the topics I'll be discussing with Justin and Chris today include what questions an assistant editor can ask their editor when they're working together for the first time, why an assistant editor is a creative partner, why you don't necessarily need to have scripted TV credits to work on a scripted TV show, how editors can help their assistants move their career forward, how Justin and Chris collaborated on a cool montage sequence in episode 7 of We Crashed, and a deeper behind-the-scenes look at their experience cutting the Apple TV Plus series. Before I get to my guests, though, I just want to say thank you to all those that signed up for the brand new Break Into Scripted course, which is the ultimate guide to starting a career in the post-production department of films and scripted television shows. The course sold out within a day, so if you're interested in the next round of enrollment, get on the waitlist now by visiting hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash waitlist. I will be doing this course again in the near future. Again, get on the waitlist now by visiting hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash waitlist. Break into Scripted, a new course from Hollywood Editing Mentor, which will help you uncover the mysteries and overcome the struggles of breaking into film and scripted television. 
We got one of the editing teams from the new Apple TV Plus series, We Crashed. Uh, Justin Crown and Chris Gural here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. Happy Saturday. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Yeah. Doing well. Yeah. I think, Justin, I got I to gotta repeat that because now it's Justin Crown. ACE, right? Yeah, that's as of like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, I mean, it's like a long process to get in. And then when they call, you're kind of like overwhelmed because like, you're like, yeah, I got a call from Kevin Tent, the president. And he's like, congratulations, you're in. So it's one of those things you always kind of are hoping for, you know, you're kind of like one of those career milestones you're kind of like hoping happens. And then when it does, you're kind of like, okay, I'm just, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, and uh, we talked to uh, Troy Takaki, AC, on episode 26 of the podcast, where he goes into the, the whole process, what it, what it takes to, to get into American Cinema Editors. Uh, so anyone wants to learn more about that, definitely check out episode 26. But yeah, it could take a while from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, guys. Uh, just uh, very excited to have you here because you're finally getting a chance to chat, but also discuss your work on We Crashed. I'm just very interested in these stories. And, and I got to say, I've been kind of, I did kind of follow the, the story of WeWork. And uh, <laughs> so I was very curious about this series and definitely looking forward to hearing more about your experience uh, Cutting this? Chris, you got a co-editing credit here on episode seven, right? I did, yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So definitely want to hear about that as well. Uh, I know our listeners are always curious to hear uh, how can an assistant editor get a co-edit, right? Before we get into all that, I want to really hear how you guys got into editing. What caught your interest to, to get into working in post-production? So kind of tell us your origin story and then how you actually then got into say, working in scripted TV and film in Hollywood. So, uh, Justin, let's kick it off with you. Yeah, I, mean, I think for me, I mean, I just watched a lot of movies as a kid. I mean, I, I don't know that that was the first thing as a kid, although I can look back now and, like, pinpoint things, but it's not like I was, like, you know, a young kid and that's immediately what I wanted to do, you know? But I almost was kind of interested in writing other things and music and and kind of a lot of different things in the arts. And I wasn't really sure until like my later high school years. And I had stopped actually attending high school and taking college courses because I had just grown really bored. And so I just started taking some film courses in the, in the college courses I was taking. And I was just going to movies all the time. And I thought, oh, this is something I really want to try. And so, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis. The, and I was like, at that time, you know, film school was still this thing where like for most film schools, you had to... Uh, you had to like take two years of like theory or whatever before you actually touch equipment. But I went to Columbia College and the appeal of going there was you actually got to get onto equipment right away the first year. I mean, this was kind of just right at the cusp of the digital revolutions right before. But when I went, you know, they were still editing on shooting and editing at 16 millimeter. And so I just went because I was like, well, do I actually enjoy the process? I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. I think I really like making movies. And I think the actual physical work is a really big different thing as opposed to, I think everybody likes watching movies, but the actual process is a really different thing. And so when I came, you know, of course, you know, I was kind of really inter interested, the, you know, filmmakers like Scorsese and other people had really influenced, like the kind of reason I wanted to get into like making, it kind of piqued my interest in making movies. But when I went that first year, you know, so went out and shot them like 16 millimeter reversal and then you have to go edit it. And just the process of sitting like in the editing room, like with a splicer and stuff, that to me was so fascinating. And I really started to see, oh, this is really kind of, I really took to that because you didn't have the stress of like, even on a student film, like going out and shooting and trying to like, oh, I got to get this shot, whatever. You could really sit and shape things, you know, and you really had a control. And of course that was without sound. 
And as I later got further into school, you start to like bring in, you know, like sound and music. And I sort of just really see that for me, editing really kind of was where you kind of, as a storyteller in filmmaking, you got the purest form of it without a lot of the other kind of bullshit, quite frankly, you know, because it's a lot of like managing egos and you still do that in the editing room a bit, but there's so much of it out in the other thing is that, that you just kind of, you know, get to like get the footage and get to work with the director and help them realize their vision, you know, and you get to, you know, especially now with like digital editing, you know, you can use so much with sound and music, you know, in your, like in Avid or Premiere, wherever you work in, that you really kind of get a true encapsulation of kind of really helping to really fully realize that film. And that to me was super fascinating because music was always a big thing growing up. And like, I'm mostly deaf in my left ear. So sound has always played a big part in like my, my life as far as how I hear things and stuff. And so it was just being able to do all that and help contribute that as well as the picture part of it. That's really what drew me to editing, you know, and that was kind of my impetus. And then went to school, came out to LA. Um, I came out and after like September 11th. I wanted to go to New York. But I was like, I knew there was like, don't come. There's no work because production kind of cratered. And so I was here for two years and I additionally didn't love it. And, you know, but I was doing, working, doing any films. And I worked in the first season of The Office uh, as an assistant editor. And then I got a call from a friend who says, hey, I have someone who's doing this movie. You might be interested looking for somebody. It's in New York. And I said, what is it? She says, well, it's my friend David. And he's editing this Bob Dylan documentary, uh, you know, for Martin Scorsese. I'm like, you know, jaw drop. And I'm like, of course, started just calling him and being like, I really want to work in your movie. What can I do? And it was like a long, it felt like a long process. It probably wasn't long, but it was a thing of like, because that was like, it wasn't a union film, but he was like, you seem great. My friend really says highly things about you, but of course you don't live here. So if you move here, let me know. Because we, we they've been working on it for a year. And he's like, if you, you know, if you're out here, maybe, you know, you could work on it. And I think I called him a week later. I thought about it. And I, we were just finishing the first in the office. And I called and said, hey, I'm moving to New York. And I didn't own much at the time, you know, I had a car and like lived in a place with two people. And I just sold the car, packed all my stuff, sold what I didn't need and had like two suitcases and just moved to New York, called him on a Friday, said, I live here now, sitting on my friend's couch, Saturday, you know, he said, great, come meet me Saturday. Like, I think it was like that Saturday, Sunday I met him and he was like, great, uh, cool. You're going to go meet Bob Dylan's manager. You're essentially hired. And so I started working with Scorsese World for a couple of years and an independent film in New York. And that was great. I really loved it. And I, you know, that's when I started, you know, you're, I really think the assistant editor thing is, I, I think it's a really good path. It's a way to really learn kind of, you to work with a lot of different people and, you know, get to kind of see how editor, different editors work. And when I was in New York, of course, want to start make the transition. Well, of course, you know, another cataclysmic event like happened where the, the, you know, the stock market bottom and the writer's crash happened. So, I'll work right up in New York. And so I was starting to just do like anything I could, which is like a lot of like, sort of just be stuff for like the internet, you know, cause I just wanted to cut. I was like, I don't want to assist. And David who cut for Marty was like, you should go back to LA. He's like, you're just not going to get any work here right now. There just was nothing there. The independent film scene where you could really get to go in New York was just kind of dead at that moment. And I was just so hungry. And so I came back and started assisting and worked my way up in TV. Cause I was just, there was just so much going on, you know, and started doing, different TV stuff. And, you know, I've had, I, you know, you kind of just kind of did whatever I could and kind of got that bump and then started working in the Ryan Murphy world doing American Horror Story. And then, you know, I eventually was lucky enough to work on Twin Peaks um, for David Lynch and was Emmy nominated for that. And then, you know, had a long associate with Sam Esmail 
that, you know, right up until like the, was when we finished the season four of Robot, which is kind of right before the pandemic happened. I was planning to take some, a good amount of time off in 20, in 2020 anyway, for some family stuff with my dad. And of course it ended up being much longer than that because of the pandemic. So yeah. And then, yeah, so that kind of brings it up to now, but you know, and Chris and I, we can talk more about this, you know, after Chris kind of gives his story, but we met like in the middle of American Horror Story. And I, yeah, well, I'll let him tell his kind of, or like where he started and then we can kind of get into how we met and working together. Love it, man. Some great experiences there for sure. So Chris, how did it go down for you? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you know, my story kind of begins um, when I was in high school. Um, my friends and I, uh, you know, we were all skate punks and, you know, we would uh, film skate videos and like, this is during, like, this is when Jackass was a thing. So we were definitely doing jackass skits and dumb things that teenagers do, you know, with a video camera. And, uh, you know, I was always the one that ended up editing the videos and I just really loved doing it. It was just my favorite part of the whole process. And, um, you know, and then in high school, I took a, a video production class and I, I realized that like, Oh, there's a career to be made here. I can, I, you know, I love doing this and I can, I can make a living doing it. So I, you know, that I just started aggressively pursuing it. And, you know, then I went to film school after high school, um, you know, majored in editing um, and film school was great. I actually went to Columbia College Hollywood, which is the sister school of uh, Columbia College Chicago, where, uh, where Justin went, which is a, one of those, you know, interesting coincidences. Um, but yeah, I went there, I majored in editing and, and it was a great experience for me because, you know, I met a ton of people who, you know, I have friends now from, from school who are now in the industry as well. And like, we've all kind of progressed together as peers. And so that, you know, film school was really beneficial in, in, in helping me kind of create that first network. Um, and, uh, and, but yeah, so, you know, I, I cut, you know, a, a few student films there. And um, well, once I graduated, um, you know, that was the, that was the difficult part for me was once I graduated was getting into the business and, um, you know, the first gig I, the first real gig I got, um, was a documentary for Mel Brooks. Um, and, uh, and that I got through a contact from, from film school. Um, and I did that and it was great. It was a great experience working with Mel. Um, he's hilarious, just as hilarious as you'd imagine he'd be, um, great times, but, uh, yeah, but so I did that. And then that job led me into another job, which wasn't, it was industry related, but not, it wasn't cutting. It wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And I was basically a, a digital coordinator for a, um, for a DVD Blu-ray company. And I did that job for a while and I was just really unhappy doing it after a while because I realized that, you know, this is not what I want to do. I, I want to be cutting. I want to be making stuff. And so I reached out to a, an old film school contact and, um, you know, who I knew was working as a post coordinator. And I asked him, Hey, you know, I, I, I'm, looking to get into post, I'll be a post PA. I'll do anything. Uh, what if, you know, do you have any advice? And, you know, luckily, and, and I feel like I've been very lucky along my whole path. Like every opportunity that's been presented to me is just, I feel like I've just been in the right place at the right time. But luckily for me, he said, well, I'm actually starting a new show and I need a post PA. So I got hired on that. That was a uh, Bosch season one for Amazon. Um, that was my first post PA gig and I did it. I, I, you know, I got people lunch, I got coffee. I, you know, you know, the, all the PA stuff, but I loved it. I, I just was so happy to be in, uh, in a cutting room or in a, you know, in, you know, next to a cutting room at least. 
Um, and you know, while I was doing that, I, I just became friends with all the assistant editors. I, I probably bugged them too much. Um, but you know, just basically saying, Hey, like I, I want to be an assistant and like, I want to work my way up to, up to an actual cutting room. And like, you know, what can you teach me? And, and, you know, what can I learn from you? And, you know, again, luckily for me, everybody that I encountered was just so, um, open to, you know, showing me things and teaching and like really just really, really helpful people. And so, you know, I learned a lot, um, while doing that and, um, you know, that job progressed to another, you know, a post coordinator job after that, and then a post supervisor job after that. And all that time I was meeting different assistants and always talking, always doing the same thing. Like, Hey, I want to be an assistant and, and learning from them, learning different processes, uh, until finally, um, you know, um, an assistant on a show I worked on, he, uh, he hooked me up with, um, BET and I ended up doing, uh, starting the reality path, um, and so I worked reality shows. I, I did, you know, BET. I did um, a, a thing for A&E um, and, you know, several, just some, some uh, other independent things. Um, and, you know, for a while I was, I was working nights on a reality show and, and assisting on an independent feature for a friend of mine during the day, just trying to get my union hours um, grinding, you know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, so once, but I'm glad I did that because the, you know, the independent feature that I worked on led me actually to Justin because um, I was assisting uh, an amazing editor. Her name's Sarah Reeves. And uh, I hope, I hope she hears this podcast. So I want to give her a shout out. Shout out to Sarah. Yeah. Shout out to Sarah. But she was, um, she, she worked in the American Horror Story camp too. And um, she, you know, she took me under her wing. She was really my first editor that I was working on scripted projects with. So she really showed me the ropes of like, here's how you do sound design. Like here is how you lay out bins. Here is all the things that are going to be expected of you as an assistant in a union scripted cutting room. So, um, you know, I was really grateful to her for that. And, um, you know, because of that connection that I made with her and the American horror story camp, my name got floated out uh, to Justin when he was looking for an assistant to replace his assistant who got promoted in the middle of a season. Uh, and so, you know, I'm very green and <laughs> I, I, I get thrown into the middle of this, you know, very, um, intense workflow and in the middle of a season. Um, and I interviewed with Justin and it was funny. And we actually talked like uh, the other day <laughs> about it. Um, but you know, not to say I didn't know what I was doing, but I was definitely green. Um, I definitely, you know, didn't have the skill set that I have now. And, you know, there's a little bit of a fake it till you make it element to my interview with Justin. Um, uh, but, you know, I was confident that I could, I was confident I could do it. But um, so, you know, luckily he hired me, I, I, which, which I am forever grateful for because that really changed my life. Um, but he hired me on and, um, you know, we've been working together ever since. And, um, you know, I've been, again, really lucky to have a, a great mentor and friend in Justin because, he's taught me over this, the past six years that we've worked together. I mean, so much about the craft of editing and, you know, the things that don't get talked about in film school, like, you know, when you're in school, you learn the buttons on Avid, but that's not editing. Editing isn't pushing buttons. It's, it's story. It's, it's crafting character. It's picking performances. It's, you know, it's pacing, it's tone, it's everything. And those are the things that I, I really, learned from Justin and I'm still learning from Justin, you know, even on this last show that we did. Um, and you know, those, those are, those are the, uh, yeah, those are the important things. And, and so I'm very grateful for that. And that, that basically takes us to, you know, 
to uh, to 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 today for me for my stories. So. Well, from hearing your stories, I mean, I can tell you're obviously doing something right. Um, you've worked now on big shows. I mean, American Horror Story, Bloodline, Mr. Robot, Homecoming, of course. Now we crashed. What do you think was it for both of you that kind of opened up those opportunities for you? Because I always related to say, for example, the soft and hard skills, right? Of course, you can be, for example, tech savvy and know everything about the avid, but there's always this the side of it, right? about the softer skills, about communicating, building relationships. I mean, I think especially now, since we're so kind of, I mean, I think it's almost kind of a given you have to be tech savvy. You have to be, you have to have a fair look. So I think that if you don't have that, you should, you know, you need to kind of get that because that should be always be a given now, especially in the, the world we work in. So it's a lot of those soft skills. I mean, I think when you, and it's something I've thought about a lot lately. And also as I'm kind of like been in a place and I'm also trying to try to, trying to even thinking about what I want to do next in my career was I think a lot of it is you have to have kind of goals and a plan for yourself. That doesn't mean everything's going to work out, but you should have ambitions, you know, and within that, like you should, you need to do a lot of outreach. I mean, there's a lot of like luck involved, which is what we do, but it's a lot of like outreach to people of being like, Hey, you know, maybe you like an editor for myself. I'll write directors. And so I'd be like your movie, you know, like it's usually like any directors. I'm not going to be writing like, Telling you really new, but you know, I will write people and just say, I really love your movie. I'll go up to, I'll go up to people at like events, you know, obviously there's been less of them, but just, and not, I don't want to say that in a kind of gross kind of networking, whatever. I mean, I generally love movies. I want to make movies and I'm excited about them, you know, so I actually really do, whether anything ever pays off, I don't really care. I just want to kind of be a part of a community. I think that's also kind of why I was saying, like, you're a part of community. And so you should kind of try to, be involved with people. And I think that goes to finding people who are your mentors, because there's going to be a lot of them in your life. It's never just one. And you're going to have all kinds of different mentors. I mean, I had ones who were, you know, editors who were like, you know, hey, I'm trying to do this. And, and also here I am in my career and, you know, and what I'm, I'm trying to do this and how do I do this? And not everyone has an answer, but it's all kind of just trying to get the best advice you can. And, kind of what your inner like compass is to point you where you want to go. I mean, so I think it's surrounding yourself with people, but also trying to bring people into your orbit and just trying to find your people, you know, and that, that just can mean so many different things. And, you know, you just kind of, you're going to work on so many things and get involved with so many people. And you just try to like bring in the best people and keep them around you as you can, as you move forward. And I think that's a big soft skill. And, but I do think communication is a huge, huge thing. Even like, you know, I think, the relationship with Chris and I, that's something, you know, I hadn't met anything that long when I started working with him. That's something I really learned with him was communication, communication, communication with the people around you. And, and, uh, and that's a really hard thing to do, whether that be just, you know, like I said, when you're doing outreach, maybe it's cold emailing people, but maybe it's also just like how you describe your story to people or, or whatever. I think it's like a big thing because it's so easy as an editor to be like, I just want to work on the computer and that's all I want to do. And I just want, and like, that's not really what it is. I mean, I think as a storyteller, like you're a storyteller, I'm not a button, you know, as an, I don't think you're a button pusher. You're a storyteller, you know, if they want a button pusher, they shouldn't be behind me. But also as you go out in the world and meet people, you have to know how to tell your own story. And that can be hard because it's very hard for people to open up and be vulnerable. And it's like, and sometimes it feels very self-aggrandizing to be like, here's me, me, me. And I don't think that's just what it is, but you want to kind of be able to tell yourself and t let people know, like, you know, that, you know, you're hardworking and do this. And yes, you need to back it up, you know? And I think that's like, you know, you, and kind of just, for, you know, figuring out what you want to do and who you want to work with. is a big part of that. But I mean, I think 
you know, I've also had always in my career too. It's like, and this isn't just, there's a different skill, I guess, is like, this is a real gamble. This like, like this, the freelance world. And I've always been worked really well when like, I am a little scared shitless, you know, <laughs> like when I don't know that what I'm going to do next is going to work and I could fall flat in my face. That's when I go do it. I mean, even doing We Crash, I had been, you know, I had done some comedy during my career and I hadn't worked for a bit. You know, I took almost 2020 off. I was going to take half a year off. My dad recently got Alzheimer's and I just needed some time off. You know, there was a lot of family issues. And so coming back to work and trying to find the next thing, it was like, you know, it would have been easy because I'd usually done kind of darker dramas and kind of more things like that. But I was like, this came up, I followed the story. And I was just interested in it. And I, and then reading the script, I was like, well, that's kind of a, kind of a weird tone. I didn't know if I could necessarily do it. It scared the fuck out of me. And I said, that's probably what I should do next because it's going to challenge me. And, you know, I think that's a great place to be. And, you know, I, I feel like I've done that a lot of like, I'm, I, you just take a step out and you don't know if you're going to fall or not. But that's kind of like what the, I think that being in the, in this world is, it's like, it's very easy to stay in one place, you know? And I think if you want to keep on pushing forward, you have to be a little bit afraid. And I think also just making sure you're surrounding yourself with good people who support you. And that's in like the, the business as far as like your peers and like, you know, the other people around you. Also, it's like definitely your personal life too. You know, you want to have like good friends and family and, so, cause it's, it can be a very isolating and lonely kind of thing, making these choices. They're very stressful at times. I think especially the last couple of years with like, you know, financials and stuff, but it's, you need to surround yourself with great people, you know, on all levels. So it is just kind of, that's a lot I kind of threw in there, but it's, it's a very important part of like the piece of the puzzle, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so important to work with good people and find that support from your colleagues. Uh, Chris, I want to hear from you though. Uh, you mentioned something earlier about being a PA and getting lunches and, and doing that task. I imagine with a, with a smile on your face and, and certainly doing it correctly. And that says a lot about you for sure. So what do you think has propelled you in this career? Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I'll say, so you know, it, a lot of people say this, but it's all about the network. It's all about who you know. That's how that's how you get jobs, and that's that is so true. And so, the first job is the hardest, right, to get because you got to get your foot in the door. You got to get someone to take a chance on you. And once you get that opportunity, that's when you have to. You got to give it a hundred percent. You got to, like you said, you you know, if you're getting lunches, if you're getting coffee, do it, do it right, do it with a smile on your face, and be awesome. Make people like you because the more people like you, the more they're going to be willing to put you up for new jobs. And, and I'll give you an example with, for just for me personally. So I, I, I PA'd on Bosch season one and I'll do another shout out. Our post supervisor was a lovely woman in Kim Pereira. And, uh, and you know, she really, she really liked me. She took to me and, and uh, you know, she was the one who on the next show, she hired me and promoted me to post coordinator. And so then, you know, we developed a working relationship and through that, through her is how I met Sarah Reeves. And, and so that's how I got that assistant gig on my first scripted independent film. And so it's, you know, it all started with me coming to work as a PA and, and doing the best job I could and, and being positive and being just a, a, just a good likable person and working hard. 
And that paid off down the road through connections and through everything. And every job I've been on along the way, I try to take that positivity and that, that strong work ethic and, you know, and just, just trying to be the best person and, you know, and assistant editor or whatever editor, whatever position I'm in, whatever job I'm in, I try to do the best I can at it and do it right. And, and people see that people see that work ethic. They see the positivity and that's what will propel you more so than, I mean, obviously you have to have the skills. I mean, if you don't have the skills to back it up, you're not, you're not going to get very far, but if you've got the skills and you've got the positivity and the, and the work ethic, that's going to propel you. That's what's going to get you, you know, and obviously you got to do a little bit of grinding yourself too. And you got to, you know, especially when you get to like editing and you're, you know, you're really kind of searching out those jobs. Um, you know, there's a, there is a degree of that, but again, yeah, I think the connections that you make on each job are really what's going to, what's, what's going to really strengthen your network and get you, help you get work. You know, that's the thing. It's like, I've seen it firsthand where in cases with mostly with assistant editors, right? Where they're very, very, very tech savvy, but, uh, you know, they don't have those soft skills. Yeah. And then they get shut out of opportunities. Justin, I just want to ask you something real quick because uh, Chris brought up uh, earlier that when he interviewed with you, you know, he was a little green, right? But you still decided to give him an opportunity. Uh, I get questions like this a lot about, say, you know, when assistant editors or aspiring assistant editors, they say, you know, I don't have a, enough experience um, to, to work, say, maybe in, in scripted TV. And my experience has been that, you know, there are those, for example, editors that are willing to give people a shot, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is something I definitely want, I was really excited to come on this to talk about because there's a couple of things I look, I mean, it's kind of like, I think I'd look for when I'm looking for assistance, but also, you know, when I met Chris, I hadn't been, I hadn't been full-time for a long time. So part of our story too, has been like me learning the best way to, to like work with an assist. But when I, you know, I had had a series that I worked for who were, some were great, some not bad, but just like, you know, you kind of, there are some who were great mentors, some weren't, and I kind of saw what worked and what didn't. And, you know, until you're an editor, you don't know. It's a very, like I said, I said earlier, this is a tough, like, thing. It's a very, it can be, especially because we're alone, we're not on set. It is a very stress-filled pressure thing. And so it, I understand editors who don't always have the greatest relationship with assists and those who do. And once I got in, you know, you kind of start to really feel that. And so, you know, for the first couple of years, I had a couple of different people one thing I think is kind of important for myself is, is that I realize, you know, for me, an assistant isn't just somebody doing the tech stuff to get me dailies. They really are my first creative partner. They're my first audience. I'm going to show them the first cuts. I like to have them sit in. I like to get feedback. So I'm looking for people who actually are a little bit younger, maybe aren't totally set in their ways who want to learn, you know, I, you know, definitely, I think it's, it can be tough because like you don't necessarily it, you when i'm looking for feedback i want like i just want an audience reaction and i think sometimes i've had it with older assistants or people in doing it they're telling you like how oh, here's how we cut it i don't really want to hear that because like i know how i i'm i know how i want to cut it i want to hear an audience reaction because that's the important thing i want to hear the emotional reaction and so i like to find younger people who I, you know, like I said, I feel like it's almost a given now, but that isn't always the case that people have the technical skills. But because Chris knew Sarah and I, you know, had that recommendation because I knew he knew kind of the world I was working in and because I like to do a lot of sound design in the offline, I knew he was going to have a grasp of like the technical skills that I needed. And then also, you know, I mean, this is like, 
you know, I, this is one of the things I think has been a big thing in the industry the last couple of years, people talking about diversity. And I think that sometimes can feel like an overwhelming thing because it's like, I think we all want it, but how do you do it? And I do think it's really incumbent on editors to do anything they can to like, to try to help do that. And I think that's, you have a, the one direct way you have is hiring your assistant, you know? And I think like, because I'm so, it's so important to me that the, my assistant is a creative partner and gives me a thing. I don't want somebody who looks like me, you know? I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't hire, but it's like, I want an opinion that's not mine, you know? And like, I have worked with females. I actually love working with female assistants because it's like, I want to hear a female point of view on this. I want to hear an opinion that's not mine when I'm showing cuts because I know my opinion. I don't need it fed back to me, you know? Um, it's, and so that's really important to get people from different backgrounds or whatever. And I know when I interviewed Chris, I just like, they gave me a thing and I just said, whatever you do, if you, because it was like, we were just in the middle of the season. I just remember saying, because the post producer kind of helped and I had a few people and I said, let's get a couple of people in, but if you send me three white guys, I'm going to be really pissed. Cause like, I just don't want to get, I don't want that. Like I want to have a diversity. You have to have one or two emails. You have to have, like, you don't know. Cause obviously you're just getting a piece of paper, but you can kind of like, you have an idea, like when you see somebody's name or like whatever. And I said, I'm just going to hire the best person. But even in the interview, I was just like, I need to find, cause you need to find somebody you get along with. It's just like, you can't just say, I want to hire this person because they fit this thing. You want to find somebody you can actually grow with. And that's going to be hard to know. But so when I met Chris, he was like, we met like three really great people. And but with Chris, because I knew he had that technical thing. And I could tell, like, even in the meeting, looking back, I was like, no, he's a little bit nervous, but everybody's a little bit nervous in the meeting. But I could tell I was like, I think this could work. And I think, you know, it was, you know, working this along, it was always like the growing pains. But I knew he had kind of the technical skills, I, the initial kind of the basis for that. So I knew that was a way to, to start. And then from there, it was just a process of getting to know each other, you know, and I will say I wasn't always the best initially because we were in the middle of the season working in the Ryan Murphy world. It's very high pressure. You're working really fast and you're doing things at a very high level because, you know, you could be working on a sequence with the amount of sound design they like to have even in the offline. You could, we were going from anywhere from 20 to 40 tracks on like an edit, you know, like audio tracks. So, you know, it's a hard thing. So you are doing a lot of like, it's very like to build the tone and whatever. It's very, there's a lot of stuff you need to do. So it's just really intense. And I, you know, and so to do that, sometimes I think it took me a moment to realize how to best communicate to him. I mean, I do know, and Chris has told this story before, is like one of the first times we worked together, he brought me like a thing, a sequence with like this sound design. I can't remember the jump scare or something. And I was just kind of like, I'm sure it was a little thing I didn't react well. And I was like, oh, that doesn't work. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? I was like, just make it better which is kind of a real asshole thing to say. And I will admit that. <laughs> and I know he's like, he was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> but I will say he came back and brought me something really amazing, you know? Um, and I've certainly gotten better at communicating what I'm looking for since then. But it is, you know, it was weird. It's weird that even thinking that, like at that early stage, that could be a thing because that's such a horrible response for me to have to say to someone like, they could do it and do whatever, you know, like, and it could be that there's no way to interpret that, but that's part of like working with people and like part of the soft skills of like, like just knowing how to interpret what people are saying and what that means in the world. I mean, that even goes for editors. I mean, I would say most directors aren't the most communicative. So what you need to really develop is like how to read people and how to read the room. And that's, you know, there's a lot of politics that go into that stuff too. And so you really need to know, like when you're working on stuff, 
who the people are, like what they're kind of, as far as like for me, like, okay, what the kind of they've done and just really kind of having a sense of like what that is. And then just picking up on what that means. I mean, that's a bit of a learning process when you're getting to know people and that can be really tough, but you really need to develop that. That is a really tough soft skill to like, skill to like really interpret what the littlest things can mean because people aren't always great at being communicative. And it's tough because it's like people feel very vulnerable in the edit room. And so they can be frustrated, you know, director can be frustrated, editor can be frustrated. And sometimes they tempers get short because people are just, I think a lot of people are just, you're afraid of failing and falling on your face. So it's like, it can be easy to be short with people around you, but it's like, so sometimes you just need to know how to interpret what people are saying. Yeah. And this is stuff that, you know, so important to have mentors and, and, and uh, an editor who's going to kind of take you another wing and, and support you. So, you know, cause this is stuff you only learn really like being in the room. Yeah. You know, it's like, they don't teach this at film school or anything. It's like, you have to, know. you know, I mean, like, it's, you have to bring someone in the room and you have to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one thing, I mean, I do think, for example, don't worry about inexperience being a hindrance. I mean, I think sometimes that's a good thing. I think it's actually, for me, I find that great. I mean, I actually do want to bring people in here that I can grow with. And I think, you know, I think if you have a good, like a basis for a technical skill, all the other stuff you're really going to learn. And I like bringing something who can learn like kind of what I'm doing as opposed to I, I do I've had it in the past and like and not always but it's like sometimes you get people who are a little too set in like what they're doing and that can be too much of a like this you know like and you know then always I mean it just all depends I mean so much of the relationship is who you get along with and it really is like I mean I spend more time with Chris and talking to Chris than, than I do with like the, the person I'm dating have to, I mean, I know Chris is married now and sometimes yeah. he probably, I'm sure his wife who I know, like, it's like, God, you, you know, Justin's like your other fucking boyfriend, you know, the other person <laughs> in the time when we're like working. But I mean, you do because you're just so much in, like you're, you spend so much time together working on these projects that like you want to find somebody you can develop a strong personal relationship. And I really do think the mentoring process is a really important thing. And I want to get assistance who I can really kind of, who want to learn about editing, who want to kind of develop their own career. I mean, I, I don't really want to hire, an, I, I never look to hire an AE who just wants to stay in AE. I want to have an AE who wants to cut. I want someone who's hungry, who's like really interested in the process, who wants to come in the room, who's curious about what I'm doing, because it helps keep me fresh, you know? And, um, and I, it's, it's kind of fun, like showing what you can do. Cause like, like I said, it becomes so easy to kind of just like hunker down the computer for what you're doing to like have someone who's interested in what you're doing and to kind of explain it, it kind of helps you real reevaluate your own process. And I, like I said, I like to kind of constantly push myself and change. So to have someone who's interested in what you're doing to like kind of be asking that, it kind of really does force you to, to, to kind of think about what you're doing and reevaluate that. And I find that really invigorating creatively, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And so important for, us, I mean, in especially for assistant editors, so just really put yourself out there, right? Uh, to communicate also what you want to do. And in this case, say you want to be an editor, you got to make sure you put it out there and, and say, this is what I want to do. And obviously I'm looking for you to kind of guide me, but you need to start, it starts from communicating that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like, there's always a thing if you don't want to be, I think it's being eager, but not too pushy, you know, I mean, exactly. and I think sometimes I think that can be hard. I mean, I probably was really too much of a pest when I was an assistant because I was so very bored, but you know, you're going to like the relationships you're going to deal the best are people you're looking to learn and grow with, not like, not try to like, feel like 
I don't know, you want to feel like you're in it together. I feel like the, I've seen those relationships not work when people don't, when they're kind of at odds each other. And also it's just is like, I, I just, who wants to live like that? I don't want to be working with someone on a day to day who like, I don't get along with, you know, because you just rely on them so much like that you want to have a really strong relationship, you know, that goes beyond just like cutting that you feel like, you know, that like you can kind of depend on them because, you know, they're just, it is, it can be very like, especially the stuff I work on, like in the, you know, working with some really, you know, great people, but we're like high pressure, like environments, it's like you really need people around you, you can count on and depend on and not have to worry about. And, you know, that's like, you don't want to have to be questioning. <laughs> totally, man. Well, I have a question here from a member of the Hollywood Editing Mentor community. This is from Sergio Beltran. And I'll direct this question to Chris. If an assistant editor is working with an editor for the first time, what would be some initial questions to ask an editor about the post-production workflow? Wow, that's interesting. Um, well, I would say, you know, I mean, the first thing is you kind of want to get an idea of this editor's, you know, process because everybody has a different process. Um, and so, you know, everybody likes things done a different way. And so I, that's the first thing is just, you know, your, what are your preferences, you know? I mean, and it can be as base as like, how do you like your timeline laid out? How do you like your bins laid out? Um, you know, do you like to have, uh, you know, a continuity next to you all the time? Do you like to, you know, uh, make scene cards up on the wall? Um, you know, whatever, whatever creative process, you know, uh, an editor that you're working with has, like it, it's, you know, it's it not only good to, to know so that you can help assist them the best way possible, but it's also good for you to, to learn different creative processes and take what, what works for you and what doesn't and build your own creative process. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, as, as far as questions, uh, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably where I'd start, you know? Um, and then, um, you know, maybe even, you know, ask questions that are related to, you know, specifically the project that you're working on. I mean, what, what drew you to this, this story? What do you think are the, the key themes of this story and what, you know, you know, what are you trying to focus on? not just in, you know, you know, with the characters, who do you, you know, what do you, what do you think, you know, the motivations of these characters that we want to emphasize? What do we want to de-emphasize? You know, what do you think is important? Um, yeah, those are good questions to understand. Um, you know, just also, you know, what, what the editor's mindset is going into to tackling whatever project you're working on. Yeah. Some good advice there. And it's again, boils down to communication, right? Very important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, to touch back on the communication thing, I mean, to go, to, to, to go back to Justin's story about, you know, him telling me, make it better. Um, you know, at the time it was like, okay, well make it, make it better. I, I guess I should have made it better from the, from the beginning. Um, you know, it's hard to, to get, a note, make it better. What, what does that mean? Right. Um, and you know, to his credit, it, it, it didn't end with make it better. Like he did after give me notes and, you know, and I worked on them and, and we got there. And, you know, I think now at, at, at this point in our, our, you know, relationship, he can tell me, make it better. I know what that means now. So, you know, hopefully I take him something and he doesn't have, he doesn't have to tell me make it better because it's already good. But, you know, we've, we've, established enough of a rapport that like those shorthand comments are are understood make it better okay i got you i know what you need you know um but you know that goes to communicating uh you know until you have that rapport like you need to you need to be able to communicate efficiently and and thoroughly what you know what you want or at least 
have a discussion to, to, you know, maybe you don't know exactly what you want as an editor. And so your assistant is going to obviously not know what you want either. But if you talk it through, you can collaborate creatively and, and kind of come to that realization together. And, and that's what I think is the true value as Justin likes to say, the, the creative partnership that that's where the true value of an assistant editor and an editor relationship is because, you know, you know, even established editors, I mean, no one is, no one is, is hundred percent right all the time. No one knows everything. And so, you know, I think that there is this, I, I, I've told Justin this before. It's like, you know, the, the, the editor assistant mentor mentee relationship, it's a two way street, you know, we learn from each other. And so, you know, we grow together. And so, you know, working together on those things and coming to, to solutions, to creative problems, especially in like high pressure situations, which Justin and I have been in plenty of, um, you know, it, it's like that, that's not only helping strengthen the, the bond between you two, but also helping strengthen your skills, both, both as an editor and an assistant editor. And, and, you know, if you're an assistant that's trying to move up into, into editing, I mean, that that's the invaluable knowledge and experience that like you can only get from being in the room and doing doing the thing and you know if you're lucky enough to have a a, a great partner like I do with Justin it just makes it that much more rewarding and and you know and you just get much more out of it that's awesome and yeah so talking about more about your process it's a good segue into now your experience on we crashed uh, again, congratulations. Just saw the series. It's amazing. You guys got to go check it out. It's on Apple TV Plus. And like I mentioned to you, Justin, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my fiance and I were just really excited about this series. Me, because uh, I had actually been following WeWork's story for a while. My fiance, I think, was more excited about the series because of Jared Leto, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a great time watching it. Um, and so now I want to kind of get some insight into your experience on this show. So Maybe first tell us how you got involved with this project and also give us some insight into your process working together on this series. I mean, for me, you know, obviously it's it's getting, you know, as I was looking for something to do coming out of the pandemic, or, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, it was trying to find a story I was into. I mean, it was weird. I was like, had been off for a while, just dealing with family stuff. So it was like, well, what's the story that I want to get back into? And you know, part of it's like you're looking for a job because I've been off for a long time in life. But I, I had followed the story in the news for a while, so I was really interested in it. And I got to meet with the the writers and the two directors, John and John Reckla and uh, Glenn Picara. Um, and uh, when I did it, and and um, I got hired really quickly by them. I think I was I, I know I was the first person hired on. But for me, part of it was reading it, and it's like okay, and I want, you know, because I knew the new, the based on the true story, you kind of knew the new story, but you got to like then read and you know read the actual the script is. And I thought the first script was really good, and you know the thing with TV so often is you only have that first script, so a lot of what you go through is okay, you know, am I going to jump in bed with the, with the people just based on a quick you know meetings? And so if you're having a feeling, I think that's always kind of good, and then it goes from okay with the material once you actually get working. Like, what does that drew me to it? And I think the thing that was so fascinating about this story to me is, is like, you know, objectively, you in the any all the reporting I've read and kind of the thing, because it's a base and chooser, I mean, I, I think Adam Newman is kind of, for me personally, I, I don't, you know, is a bit of a connoisseur and is a bit of a connoisseur. Kind of and there's a lot of those kind of stories lately. And he's kind of like, quite honestly, like a, a, a disgusting kind of person, just the way he would use people. But the truth is, is that I don't really, I mean, I've done a lot of things, a lot of stories, and I tend to be t attracted to 
you know, character stuff and darker characters and kind of like really kind of, kind of the dark kind of like underbelly of people. And that's what I'm drawn to, but that's not, you know, especially when you're starting with a character that's based on, that's like, that's the central character. I was kind of struggling with that when I started working on it. Cause I was like, well, do I really want to watch this person? But the truth is, is I was like, that's not really what, that's not really the story of it because there's going to be Connors throughout like the course of history and there'll be another one. We're going to, these stories never end. They're kind of very American stories. So the truth is, is that really the story is a cult of personality. You know, it's people who were drawn in, you know, and what is it about that person? And also I kind of think he thought he kind of believes his own con, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, it's like, we can only guess. So I thought it was like definitely in the first couple of like, I think this is an aspirational story. So what that means and working with Chris is like, you know, cutting it to be like, we're not going to judge these characters. And in some ways I kind of took inspiration from like, like Wolf of Wall Street. Another thing is like, which is, you know, much more darker characters. But I was like, we're never editorially. I don't ever want to make a judgment on them, even though I have my personal opinions. Like I'm just presenting their story, you know? And especially as we get, then you get in the second episode, you start to see more of the people around them and you see why they are attracted. Because I think to just say they're horrible people and whatever from the outset, you don't get why so many people are into this. And it's a very, everybody wants to be rich. Everybody wants to be a part of something that's winning. And it's very easy to get like blinded to these people around you. So I think as we were building the first episode, it was like, we need to sell this as like a very forward pushing thing, keep the momentum going as much as possible. And even like finding the music with the composer and even some STEM stuff of like, this should be, and in, in opposing to a lot of other stuff I've done, which is in kind of a darker, darker score, it's like, this should be very upbeat and pushing because for these people, this story is exciting, you know? So a lot of the choices and stuff were like, how do we sell that? And how do we keep things just kind of moving and keep these, keep this story kind of like moving forward and kind of, because somebody did find these people really appealing, you know? And so I, I think we were trying to sell that. I think you really start to see it as a, as the, the series progresses and you see it kind of in episode two where you have like the employees who are putting this together, even though Adam's not around while they're kind of doing all the grunt work. And there's a montage in there we did that was like, you know, set to the, the, this is the day. I mean, I think the people who are working for these people, like they really are believing, they've really bought into it and they really do think this is great. And they're really excited to be a part of it. And it's only later when you realize they've been kind of taken, and I think that's kind of any con, you realize, God, you know, I think that's kind of the sad and kind of interesting in New York is people really, it wasn't just about making money, I think, for a lot of the employees, at least that was my interpretation. They really did believe in it. And it kind of, you start to get ideas of workplace culture and workplace abuse, which is kind of just such an interesting thing to me, like, even just being on a thing like this, where we're talking about the people you bring into your orbit, you work with, you know, it's like you, for me, I always like, like to have the editor be a great place and have people really excited and be a, want to feel a part of it, you know? So it was kind of like, not a parallel, but it's kind of funny, like just like working on a thing about like, like really like kind of these people, like this person who is just kind of a, it's a very cultish kind of thing, you know, which can be kind of a lot of, you know, film, film shows you work on. Everyone's kind of, you're kind of focused on this one thing. So it has like a weird parallel to like kind of real life, but I, I think that was kind of that. And so, for me, that was kind of the storytelling thing of like, I want to focus on what was attractive and the people who go around him who invested, like, like, how can we do that? And so, you know, a lot of that's my storytelling choices. And Chris and I would talk about that. And I think we're at a place where because he knows me so well, he knows the technical stuff. I end up talking more about storytelling and other stuff. And like what I'm thinking of the dailies and like what my interpretation of things are and kind of 
that's kind of fun because obviously I don't get to talk to the director on a daily basis. You know, I mean, I do like, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's harder to like have that. Hold on. Hold on one second. Um, so for me, I, I, like I said, part of the relationship with like my assistant is I, especially because we were all working from home. Usually I would call him in the room and be like, Hey, Oh, come, you know, there would probably be less talking when we were in the room because I'd be like, Oh, come check out the sequence. And I like to show a lot of things like even just my initial cuts as I'm trying to figure out character, especially with Jared and Jared does a lot of improv. There's just a lot of, there was a lot of experimentation that went on. And because of the way, because Jared could do 10 different takes and he's amazing, but he'll can can do 10 different things. So there's, as an editor, you're trying to like, okay, how technically do I make this work? But that's kind of boring, you know, but you're just trying to, I just want to get a scene that works, but it's like, how do I get the best performance out of this with someone who's giving me so much great material? You know, and that can be a thing. And so you really, I really do lean on Chris, you know, to like, oh, what do you think? And I think, you know, I had done this a lot on other shows. And one thing I miss, I, mean, I do miss the socialization of being in the editing room because, you know, when we were doing the last thing we did, Robot, was I will have, you know, the post PAs, if they want to come in or other people, I'm very open, like, oh, if I am kind of have the time, people are more than welcome to come and sit and ask me questions. You know, and I like that, you know, that kind of like that process of like having people and getting like, audience, you know, people, you know, kind of your early audience, but I do think the closest person I have, the biggest relationship I have is with, with Chris or any AE that I would have, because they're the first person, because you, you know, you're going to feel really vulnerable, anything you kind of, anything you put out. So like the first person is going to see something and I kind of want to get like a good raw reaction to that. And like, it kind of, you know, even if he's, sometimes he can be like, that's great or it's not. And even sometimes I agree or disagree. And sometimes even disagreements lead me creatively to where I'm trying to go. Yeah. You know, so yeah. What was your approach to this series, Chris? Uh, both as an assistant editor and then also as a, a co-editor. Well, uh, you know, I, I t- touch back a little bit to what Justin was saying, just in the remote workflow, because um, you know that was definitely a challenge on this. Um, you know, he and I, when we're in the office, we're in the in and out of each other's rooms all day long, talking all day long, and so being remote was difficult. There was a lot of phone calls and, you know, but it's not the same as face-to-face interactions. So, so that was, that was a challenge um, that I, you know, we, we, we overcame, I think, because, because I think it helps that we have such a strong rapport that like we are able to communicate over, you know, over the phone or text or whatever. And we can, we can get, you know, the points across that we need to get across. We, we understand each other. So that was, that was a challenge, but I think we did overcome it, which was great. Um, but yeah, my, you know, my approach to the, to the series, you know, like Justin said, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of this classic American con, you know, and these, these, you know, Adam Newman is, is a slick talker and he really, he just was able to get people enamored with him and, and, and then just go wherever he wanted. And so I think that was something that Jared really did a really great job of, capturing in the performance and and you know even watching dailies i i was like i'll do anything you want man (laughs) you know know, really emphasizing that and you know jared and and ann as well i mean ann is is just incredible i i I mean i i think the best actress i've i've had the opportunity to to cut so you know there was there was nothing that the hard part of cutting her was just what is the best? What, what it's all good. So what's the best? Um, but yeah, really, really focusing on that, that dynamic nature of, 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 of his relationship or of his personality. And then, 
you know, the dynamic between their relationship was really interesting. I think that's what a big thing that the, that the series focuses on, which is, which is kind of cool. Cause it's a story about we work, but it's really a story about Adam and Rebecca. I mean, that's, that's the core of the story. And so just exploring that relationship was really, really interesting because I think they're just very, very unique and interesting people with, um, you know, not, not always, maybe not always the best people, but definitely, definitely worth exploring some of the, you know, some of the, the things and their motivations and the and actions and the things that they they did. But, you know, speaking of, I guess, these performances, you know, one of the things uh, watching the series, it's like, I just didn't know how to feel about both Adam and Rebecca. It's like, at one point, it's like, these are not the nicest people, right? But on the other hand, I see what they're trying to do, trying to do good, they're trying to, as they would say, elevate the world's consciousness. Yeah. Right? And then, so, it's just like, it's like, I don't know how to feel about them. I think that was kind of what we were trying to do. And, uh, you know, I think it's a hard thing because I think, like I said, I was trying to never whether it be with music choices or whatever, do a judgment on them. Because I actually think that's a more challenging thing to like, as a viewer, to like watch something and not know how to feel. I think it's really easy. And, and I think it happens a lot in storytelling right now, especially in a lot of TV stuff. And I'm it, that people, you're told exactly what to feel every way, you know, too much. And I find that really fucking boring. I also don't find it challenging. I mean, I liken this to like when I saw Nightcrawler. I don't know if you've seen that Jake Gyllenhaal movie, but I remember seeing it in the theater and I walked out and I was fucked up for like two or three days because I was like, that guy's totally fucked up. And yet I kind of relate to him. And exactly. what does that say about <laughs> me as a person if I have those qualities in? And oh, yeah. I kind of felt the same thing about Adam and, and to a degree, Rebecca, you know, because I think we all, you know, it's easy so if people got got into believe them and work for them for free and whatever, because it was very easy. So to like, kind of think, Oh, that's great. And we're also going to get rich. So it was very easy to see that. So I think, you know, what we were trying to do editorially was let's not make choices. Let's not try to put music. Let's not try to like lead the audience with like too many things that tells them things, because I think that would just be easy. You know, like that's a very easy storytelling thing to do. And I kind of tech, I, I, you know, I tend to try to watch as much as I can, but I'll turn things off really quickly if it's like, don't, please don't tell me what to think, you know? So it's like a lot of like trying to find those choices, you know? And of course, you know, you're of course talking about the script and what the directors want to do, but you, you do have a lot of input. And so for me, that was one thing I talked about with the showrunners and directors of like, let's not lean too heavily because I think as these people were going through it, nobody thought that Adam Newman and Rebecca were conning them. Everyone was kind of very excited, you know, and what, and thought it was, and I think it's interesting between the ruse. I think people are like, oh man, it's so easy to see that these are horrible people. None of the people who were involved with that thought that when this was happening, you know, it's easy in hindsight to say, well, clearly this was a con. Nobody who went through this or put money and thought that was happening. They would never have invested the money they did if that was the case. And so I think as a storyteller, it's your job to kind of represent that. And it took me a second to kind of think about that. Cause when I started, I was like, wait, how are we going to do this? Because that's a really hard thing to do. And I think it's it just an interesting thing to use because I think people are like, oh, of course they were doing this. But it's like, it's so easy in hindsight to say, of course it was, they were just doing to get rich. But things, nobody thought that when it was happening. So yeah, it's, it's just trying to, trying to do that and try to be honest to the characters in that way. So it's a lot of like, how do you pick performance like that? How are we going to like, what music are we going to choose? How are we going to keep like a forward momentum going, you know? And I think especially when it came to episodes, I mean, I think episode seven, like that Chris 
quoted on it was like that was kind of kind of a way very much an apocalypse of like for me i mean you're always lucky when you do like second to last episodes because you kind of you get kind of a lot of characters up and you get the penultimate thing you're not having to wrap things up so you're kind of always kind of like you kind of get the best of everything in some ways but there was a lot of great character stuff i mean i think in that there's like a great like speech with like Rebecca and Adam, where she says, I am the heart of the company. And you see kind of the naked narcissism and kind of like over self-belief these people have in themselves and to a degree that's like, I think super dangerous, which is kind of what brought the company down where like any idea they had that that was the best thing ever. You know, there was kind of no shred of like, kind of like outside of the relationship, I think out to the outside world, they didn't really have too much doubt, which is kind of why I think they were able to pull it off for so long, you know? and. Um, but it is kind of, there is that thing of like, okay, how do we just keep inside those char- the character's point of views and not like impose my own? So, yeah. You know, I'll say, I think one of the, the interesting things for us is that because we did the first two episodes and then we, and then the next episode we did was the second to last episode seven, the characters are in such a different, I mean, obviously it's a different time. The time, a lot of time has passed between the two, the two, <clears throat> the, you know, those, the, the episodes, but the characters are in such a different place and, and the audience is the audience's view of the characters is so different. And what I mean is that in the first two episodes, a big thing that we were working on was trying to get Adam, though you knew that he wasn't the best person, we still wanted audiences to root for him to, to get, we work off the ground. I mean, we, we wanted to like him, even though you knew he wasn't likable. And that was a challenge in and of itself in those first two episodes. And then fast forwarding to episode seven, by this point, the audience now has turned on Adam because we are seeing that like, well, he is not a great person. He's screwing a lot of people over and he needs to get what he deserves. And so it was interesting to kind of work on the two opposite ends of that spectrum. And, 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 and so it was kind of, a, it was a cool way to, to get both sides of the perspective and just shape both sides of those, you know? Also want to talk about this sequence in episode seven, where you guys use a lot of split screens and boxes as Adam Newman announces that he's taking WeWork public. How did this idea come about? As I remember, I think it was, I mean, I think it obviously was scripted as obviously being like, like a kind of sequence of a montage. And I think they did have like, the idea to like do splits i think we took it way farther in what we started to do you know and that was like a real collaboration i mean and initially too they had shot the whole thing in in 48 frame per second they thought it would be in slow motion and i think the thought was i think they'd even had there was an any more coney piece they had like thought to to like put it in. but i kind of was like i i know i felt like oh i don't know i think we're kind of like playing to it's it, to me, I was like, it didn't really, that piece didn't work. It felt true dramatic, you know, in a way that felt a little bombastic to me. And the, the Pet Shop Boys song that we use is funny. I, I kind of will listen to a lot of music, whether it be score or like songs and just kind of hold things way before, you know, I even start working on stuff. It's just part of like, I'm always thinking, how does like the show, how does the show feel, you know, whether it be sound or music. And trying to help think about like the show or film. And so I remember I actually had put that song, like had sent it to email to myself of like in April. And I don't think we started working on that on that sequence till like August, September. I was like, I'm gonna use this somewhere. This is a, I like this song. I it just came up like on a Spotify like playlist that was on Shuffle, you know. And I just kind of like will try to just find things for myself that I'll just like, oh, that sounds cool. And maybe I'll do nothing with it. But I just try to pick things out that are kind of going around me and just kind of like 
Shelton for later. Just it's just part of the process for me. And I was like, and I kind of sort of played that in. And so it was that was like the kind of the best collaboration of the sequence because I was like, we're definitely using this. And I laid the sequence out and was kind of I had cut all the kind of non-split screen stuff. And I can't remember if I did a like had a little bit of some of the split screen stuff ready or not. As, as far as just kind of knowing how to get into it or not, but I hadn't done any of the splits. I mean, splits can take so long, especially if you want to do them well, that I was like, and we, I, I you know, we were on a, I think it was just like, we were just trying to, I was, there was so much to do at that point because we had spent so much time in the first two that I had less than I liked on that seventh. So I was like, I told Chris, I was like, I really want to have you work on this, the splits part of this. Cause I could be like, we had, everything was working so well for everything else that, that I knew he could really take the time. And I think, you know, I'd laid a lot of it out, but, and we'd already, you know, and I'd already done a whole bunch of split thing, split thing earlier in the sequence that were kind of some templates, but he really went to town and kind of went crazy on it. So it was like a couple of, like, I think it was like maybe we're done in a week or three, four days where he would like do initial things, bring them back to me. And like, what do you think? And like, I'd be like, do this, push this farther. I think the thing with slits too, is they can get a little bit like, your eyes can start to glaze over. So you have to be very careful of all the amount of visual information. So it's like definitely having something you can run that by. Cause it's like, that was a good thing of being, I'd be like, oh, I like this. I like that. I don't like that. I'm losing it. I'm starting to like glaze over. So it's just like not only like too much information in there and like having your eyes directed at the right place. So that was like definitely the, like we really truly collaborated on that, on that, uh, on that sequence and was super, super fun to do. And I, I was really like, you know, super proud of him because like when he finished, I was like, yeah, man, this is like, you really put your signature on this. And I thought, I mean, he kind of blew me away. I mean, that's the fun thing about like when you have an AE worked with for a while, I, you know, earlier in our career when he would be cutting stuff and he was still, I think, learning, it was like, or at least learning what I liked when he would present me stuff, I'd kind of maybe a little more heavy handed. And as he's kind of really blossomed to come to his own, I can hand him stuff if he wants to cut scenes. And it'll bring back and kind of the fun for me is I'll see sequences and be like, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's really cool. You know, like, and like, I just can be like a viewer at times of like the own <laughs> stuff, the stuff I'm getting. So it's kind of like a really fun thing. I mean, I was just super proud of him. And like, I was like, it really blown me away with like everything you did on this. And I think with just the cutting thing, I mean, I think, you know, I, I had told him, I, I want to get your credit this season. I think it's really important for editors to, in the part of the mentoring process is, and it's very, I think it's much easier to do some TV than features is like, if you can get them an additional or, or co-editing, you know, like, I think it's really important to do, like to, to really help them feel like, you know, they're moving their career along. I mean, I don't think it really costs you as much as you think it does. You know, I don't think it diminishes your work. I think it only enhances to say like, you feel safe and like big enough to be like, Hey, I, this person is a part of my process and I really, appreciate them. And I think it does a lot for like assistance careers as they're trying to transition out, you know, and I think, and I personally would like any assistant I work with, like go on and be their own editor and like, you know, have their own careers. I don't necessarily want them to be like working for me, you know, for like forever. I'd like them to move on. Cause I do think the best assistants are those people are hungry and wanting to go to like have their own careers because then they're really willing to like work hard, you know, like I think complacency in any type of like, position starts to become not good because then people aren't pushing each other to like make the best work. So I think that's really important, important part of the mentor process is to kind of nurture and, and get the people around you like opportunities to like further their career forward, you know? 
Yeah, well, that's great to hear, Justin, that you're giving those opportunities. Certainly, I mean, I could, you know, that's the opportunities that I got from my mentors. And now that I'm trying to do, or I'm doing with now with my assistant editor, right? But Chris, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, you got a co-editing credit on episode seven here of, of We Crash, and now you're on to editing an indie feature. Congratulations, um, you're on your way to the editing chair uh, now full-time. And so, you know, any advice for assistant editors trying to get a co-edit and also just a tra- trying to go down the path to getting to the editing chair? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it all starts with just being lucky enough to have uh, an editor who is willing to offer you those opportunities. Um, you know, Justin's always, you know, even from the beginning, you know, even on horror story, he gave me scenes to cut, you know, and, and, you know, obviously back then I, I, I was still green and, and he had a lot more notes for, for me than he does now. Not to say he doesn't have notes cause he always does, <laughs> but, but, you know, um, he's always been very open to offering those opportunities to me. And I, and I think that's what makes him a great mentor and, and, and just, you know, I've been very lucky. So, you know, through, throughout working with him for six years, I, I, I've, by cutting, I've had the opportunity to learn and, and to, to develop my craft and my skill um, to the point where, you know, I was able to, to do some really cool stuff with the split screen in, 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 you know, episode seven, we crashed and, you know, among other things. And so I think for, you know, any assistant who's trying to, to work his way up to, to editor, um, you know, the first thing was to establish that relationship with your, with your editor who you're working for. I mean, and this can be even in your interview with them. Hey, um, you know, do you offer your assistants an opportunity to cut? Like I, cause I, you know, make it clear that like, I, you know, my career goal is to get into, to the editor chair and, you know, I'm looking for opportunity, any opportunity I can to cut. And, you know, hopefully, you know, most editors, uh, and at least in my experience have been open to that. I, you know, I haven't come across many editors who are, who are super protective of that. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's a good thing because, you know, if you've made it that far in your career, I mean, there were people along the way that helped you. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, part of this business is, is paying that forward. And, and, you know, there were, you know, I, I got to where I'm at today with help from a ton of people. And so, you know, I always make it a point to help any way I can, you know, I, I mentor, you know, uh, um, you know, aspiring assistant editors out of college. Um, you know, I'm always, you know, I offer advice. I'm always happy to, to do those things and, and, you know, recommend people that, that I think are, you know, that I think are, are good and, and will, will be, will be good assistants. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, it's just a determination. You have to, you have to decide that like, this is what I want. And, and then you need to just put everything you have into it and learning the craft and, and giving, putting yourself in the position to be able to take advantage of the opportunities when they arise. That's great to hear, man. I mean, it's just, I can tell from, you know, talking to you today, both of you, I mean, you just really have that connection, that synergy is there. And so uh, congrats. I mean, uh, on some amazing work here on, on We Crashed. Uh, make sure to check it out, guys, on Apple TV+. Plus. It's an awesome series. Before we wrap up, though, anything that you'd like to say to those listeners out there that are looking to do what you do, and that is edit scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I think just keep on trying to push yourself forward. You know, be ready for those opportunities to present them. And I think also just, you know, listen to yourself and, and kind of, what you want to do and, and and where you want to take your career and just try the hardest you can to kind of 
sometimes you can like sometimes it's just luck sometimes it's manifesting and sometimes just the outreach to like be like hey i i like this you know let's work together i'd love to work with you in the future and so yeah i mean so much of everything is a bit of luck and a, but a lot of fucking hard work behind it it is man it is yeah. i mean that, that's what i would say I, I would say you know grind 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 get your foot in that door whether it's you know your first pa gig your first assistant gig or your first editor gig just just you know do everything you can to get in there and once you get that shot kick ass and you'll go far work hard and and, and yeah that's that's it. Work hard and dedicate yourself to your craft and you'll you'll go far. Awesome, guys. Uh, well, hey, it was great talking to you today here on this Saturday morning. appreciate your time. And again, uh, make sure to go check out uh, We Crash on Apple TV+. Justin Crone, ACE, Chris Corral, thank you for being here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. It was just a lovely time here speaking with both of you today. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. So great to hear some insight there into the editing of the new Apple TV Plus series, We Crash, from editor Justin Crone ACE and assistant editor Chris Gorrell, as well as some amazing advice there on how to build a solid editor and assistant editor relationship. Thanks again for listening to episode 28 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, make sure to leave a five-star review to help spread the power of mentorship to the post-production community around the world. And also make sure to share this episode with anyone that is looking to break into scripted TV and film or that is looking to be promoted to being a full-time editor. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to episode 28 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe, stay positive. Stay positive.